We're going to be learning in Chidusha Rabbeinu Chaim HaLevi, the first piece in Hilchos Shemitah V'yovel, Perak Tes Halacha Vav. The issue Rab Chaim is discussing is that the Halacha is that the Shemitah, the sabbatical seventh year, cancels all debts. So anyone who owed someone else money after the Shemitah year, they don't have to repay them. And as part of that, Shemitah also cancels the claimant's ability to force the other person to make a vow. So part of the process of halachic adjudication is vows, but Shemitah cancels those vows. Now there's going to be a debate between the Rambam and the Raivid as to the extent of that, and Rab Chaim will use that as a springboard for analyzing how broad is the cancellation policy of Shemitah. The Rambam rules Vashvis Mishametes Es Hashvua. Shemitah cancels vows. The Medvar Mamur. Now the Rambam qualifies this. This only refers to Shvuas Hadayonin court types of vows. Midvarim Shiim Yodebahen Shvis Misham Tesan. It's only vows where Shemitah would cancel the original debt which necessitated the vow. So if the financial situation is canceled by Shemitah, then the resulting vow is also canceled by Shemitah. Vows of guards or partners, so vows which don't have to do with debts. They're financial disputes, but they're not a debt. So those are not situations where Shemitah would cancel the original financial situation. So in those cases, one would have to make the vow even after Shemitah because it won't affect the vow. So the Rambam says a nice clear principle, which is that Shemitah only affects vows which result from financial disputes which would have been canceled by Shemitah, meaning primarily debts as opposed to other financial situations like a guard or a partner where Shemitah would not cancel the original financial transaction, so it likewise won't cancel the resulting vow. Now, the Raivid comments on this, The Raivid thinks that the Rambam's source for this halacha was a Yerushalmi in Meseches Shvius, which says that Ones Mefata and Motzi Shemra, someone who violates or lies about a woman, so he's obligated to pay a fine. So the fine and the resulting vow are not canceled by Shemitah, and the Yerushalmi quotes in the name of Rabbi Meir that Bemilva Hadavar Talui. Only debts get canceled in Shemitah, so only the vows relating to debts get canceled in Shemitah. So the Raivid believes that the Rambam's source for this halacha is that statement in the Yerushalmi. Now, Rab Chaim points out, and the Kesef Mishnah in his commentary also points this out, that the Rambam source is actually an explicit Tosefta in Shemitah Parakhes, which says this straight out, that only vows which result from debts are going to be canceled in Shemitah, not other types of vows. And this statement of the Tosefta is itself quoted by the Yushalmi in Shvuos Parak Zayin. So the Rambam has an earlier and more explicit source for this halacha in the Tosefta, and he doesn't need to rely on the statement in the Yerushalmi. So the question is, why does the Ravid reference this Yerushalmi, which is ultimately talking about a similar case to the Rambam, but a different one of Onus Mefata and Motsi Shemra, whereas the Rambam is talking about guards and partners. And even though it's true that the Yerushalmi broadens the statement of that Mishnah, and it says that the only thing Shemitah cancels are loans, but why does the Ravid reference the Yerushalmi when there's the Tosefta, which is a better source? So it's sort of a double-sided question on the Ravid, 
if he's disagreeing with the Rambam, then there doesn't seem to be any disagreement because the Yushalmi that the Ravid quotes says the same idea as the Rambam's Psak. And if he's just showing the source for the Rambam's Halacha, he doesn't disagree. In fact, he agrees with him. Sometimes the Ravid will just point out the sources for where the Rambam got this halacha. One of the things he didn't like was that the Rambam didn't reference where his halachas came from. So if that's what the Ravid is doing here, then he should have used the better source in the Tosefta, not in the Yerushalmi. So it's unclear what the Ravid's comment is supposed to do. Now, Rab Chaim is going to interpret the Ravid as subtly disagreeing with the Rambam. And this is one of his classic methods that he'll take a statement in the Ravid, which seems innocuous or neutral, and he'll explain how the Ravid, in a few words, is giving a new perspective on the issue and subtly disagreeing with the Rambam. So that's what he's going to do in this piece. Now, in order to get there, Rab Chaim moves to another statement in the Rambam, two halachas later. In Halacha Ches, the Rambam writes, Let's say the lender wanted his money back and the borrower lied and denied that he ever borrowed money and he continued that lie throughout the entire year of Shemitah. And then after the year of Shemitah, he admitted that he lied or the lender found witnesses to corroborate his version. So in this case, where the borrower went through the entire year of Shemitah lying and denying that he had ever borrowed money, and then after Shemitah it came out that he lied, the Rambam rules, that Shemitah does not cancel that type of loan. It only cancels a loan where the borrower admitted that he owes the money, and then Shemitah passed by, so in that case, the loan is canceled. But if the borrower denied having owed the money, and only after Shemitah admitted that he owed the money, then that loan is not canceled by Shemitah. Now, the Ravid disagrees with the Rambam's Psak, and he asks a very strong question. Because the Mishnah itself says that Shemitah cancels a vow. So that's obviously talking about in a case where someone denied that they owe money. So they should have made a vow, but they didn't make a vow. And the Shemitah year passed. And now the Mishnah says they don't have to make a vow anymore. So that goes against the whole psak of the Rambam that they still owe the money. According to the Rambam, if they denied that they owe the money, then Shemitah wouldn't cancel their debt and they still have to pay it up. So why would Shemitah cancel the vow in that case? So the Ravid says that even though it's true that Shemitah does not cancel something that someone denied, that's talking about where not only they denied it, but they also swore falsely that they don't owe the money. So if that false swearing and the denial happened before Shemitah, and then it stayed that way throughout the year of Shemitah, and then afterwards they repented and they said, I shouldn't have done that, I want to pay up. So that debt is not canceled by Shemitah according to the Ravid. But again, only because they swore falsely before the Shemitah year, so that transforms the debt into a court procedure. So therefore, after the Shemitah year, the lender can still collect it. Whereas in a regular case where they didn't swear falsely, they only denied owing the money, and then Shemitah passed by, according to the Ravid, that debt would be canceled so long as they didn't swear falsely before the Shemitah year. 
Now, according to the Rambam, that debt is not canceled, even though they only denied it. They didn't swear falsely. And so the Ravid's question lingers, why does the Mishnah say that it does cancel the vow if it's not canceling the debt? So Reb Chaim counters to the Ravid's question that we could easily distinguish between the vow versus the debt itself. That even though Shemitah does cancel the vow in this case, it's not going to cancel the debt. And the reason Rab Chaim suggests is because the whole basis of this halacha is that Shemitah cancels debts which a person could have collected if not that the halacha of Shemitah was lo yigos, that you can't collect. But in this case, the lender anyways couldn't collect his debt because the borrower was denying it. So it's not included in the Loyigos. The Torah doesn't have to tell him don't collect it because he anyways can't collect it. So therefore the Torah's cancellation policy of Shemitah doesn't take effect. But that only applies to the debt itself. That doesn't apply to the vow which he could have demanded during the Shemitah year. So the logic behind this halacha would clearly allow for a distinction between the vow and the debt, even though the debt is not canceled because it's not included in loyigos because it wasn't possible for the lender to collect it, but the vow is canceled because the lender could have collected that. So the vow is canceled, not the debt, and that would fit in with the Rambam's halacha who says that the debt is not canceled even though the Mishnah says that the vow is canceled. And in fact, Reb Chaim points out that that is the view of the Sefer Atrumos in Shar Mem Hey Halacha Yud Beis, which is a Sefer devoted to halachas about borrowing. So he takes this exact approach, that the vow is canceled even though the debt is not canceled. And Reb Chaim says it's not clear what the Ravid's objection to that approach is. Now there's another approach to explain the Rambam, how he understands the Mishnah in Shavuos, which says that the vow is canceled by Shemitah, even though the debt is not. And that's the commentary of the Ran on the Rif in Shavuos. And the upshot is going to be the same as the Sefer Atrumos' view, that the Shavua is canceled and the debt is not. But the Ran has a very creative twist on this. The halacha is that someone who denies the entire loan. So if the lender says, I loaned you $100 and the borrower denies the entire thing, that's called a kofer hakol. So they don't have to make any vow because we assume that no one would have such chutzpah to deny outright something that happened. On the other hand, if they admit to half of the loan and deny the other half, then they do have to make a vow. That's called a moda b'miktsas. So if he says, I owe you 50, but I don't owe you the other 50, then he does have to make a vow because we're worried that he's just trying to buy some time to pay the other 50, but he doesn't want to be overly rude and deny the entire thing. So Duran says something incredibly creative. The case here must be where the borrower admitted to half of the loan and denied the other half, and that's why they would have been obligated a vow. So once Shemitah comes, it cancels the half of the loan which he admitted to, because that's the regular halacha of Shemitah. Any loan that the borrower admitted to gets canceled. So the only part left to this situation at the end of Shemitah is the half which the borrower denied, which means that he's transformed into a kofer hakol. Meaning, let's say the lender said to the borrower before Shemitah, you owe me $100, and the borrower said, I admit I owe you 50, but I deny the other 50. After Shemitah, the 50 that he admitted to is now canceled. So the only money in question is the other 50, which he denied. 
So with regards to that 50, we view it as if the lender said to him, you owe me 50, and the borrower denied that 50. So he's a kofer hakol, and that's why there's no obligation of a shvua. So that's how the shvua gets canceled, because the borrower gets transformed from a modeb emiktsas into a kofer hakol. Now the debt itself, though, he's obligated to pay, because that's what the Rambam said, any debt which the borrower denied throughout the entire year of Shemitah and then admitted to, he does have to pay. So the $50 which he denied owing and then after Shemitah admitted that he does owe, he would be obligated to pay even though he's a kofer hakol, so there's no shvuah. So the Ran's view is also in line with the Rambam that someone who denies a debt and then admits to it after Shemitah, does have to pay it, and the Ran agrees with that. But the Ran has a very nice twist why the Shvua gets canceled, not because Shemitah can cancel a Shvua separate from the debt itself, but rather because since Shemitah cancels the other half of the debt, which he admitted to, so it turns him into a Kofer Hakol, not a Modeb Emiktsas, and therefore there's no Shvua. So those are the two approaches that Rab Chaim presents from the Sefer Atrumos and the Ran to explain how the Rambam differentiates between the debt, which is not canceled by Shemitah, versus the Shvua, which the Mishnah says is canceled by Shemitah. Now in the parentheses, Rab Chaim has a long digression to defend the view of the Ran from a question of the Minchas Chinuch. So this is not directly related to the flow of his piece, but since he referenced the opinion of the Ran, so he's explaining it from the Minchas Chinuch's question. The Minchas Chinuch in Mitzvah Taf Ein Zayin Os Yud Gimel asks on the idea of the Ran that one can transform a Modeb Amiktsas into a Kofer Hakol by getting rid of the half he admitted to. So says the Minchas Chinuch, if so, it should work that if someone admits I owe 50 and denies they owe 50, and then they pay the 50 that they owed, that should also transform them into a kofer hakol. Because now the only remaining issue is the 50 in dispute. And on that, they're a kofer hakol. So according to the Ran's logic that one can transform a modeb emiktas into a kofer hakol, there should be a much simpler case where someone's also transformed into a kofer hakol, which is when they pay the 50 they admitted to, so that removes it from the situation. And the Minchas Chinuch says that can't be because we only find in the Gemara a discussion about the case of Helach, where at the moment when the dispute begins, meaning at the moment when the borrower says, I only owe you 50, but I deny the other 50, he then immediately hands him $50. So that's called Helach. There, there's a dispute whether that's considered a motive, a mitzvah, or a kofar hakol. But in the case where they had the dispute and then sometime later, the borrower pays him back his 50, it's clear that he's still considered a modeb emiktsas. You can't change into a kofer hakol later on. Meaning at the moment of the dispute, if he pays him the 50 that he admits to, then he might start off as a kofer hakol rather than looking at the whole situation and considering him a modeb emiktsas. But once he has the halacha of a modeb emiktsas and he becomes obligated to make a vow, then he can't remove that obligation by paying up the 50 he admitted to. So you see that one cannot transform 
from a mode of a mikzas into a kofar hakol. So the same should be true of Shemitah. Even though it cancels the 50 he admitted to, but it should not transform him into a kofar hakol, he should remain a mode of a mikzas. That's the Minchas Chinuch's question on the Ran's creative idea. So Rab Chaim counters with his own creative solution to explain the Ran's approach. Rab Chaim suggests that the Ran fundamentally agrees with an idea similar to the Sefer HaTrumos, that there's a distinction between the vow and the debt. Even though the Torah said that the vow does get canceled, and that the Gemara and Shavuos derives on Memtesim and Aleph from the Pasuk of Zedvar HaShmita, so we know that the Shavua is canceled, but the debt is not canceled because he denied owing it, and such a debt does not get canceled. So the Ran could accept that. But the Ran is bothered by a different question, which is what does it help to cancel the Shavua from prior to Shemitah when this person still owes money? So it's just going to create a new obligation of a Shavua. As soon as Shemitah's over, the lender is again going to say to him, you owe me money. And he's again going to say, I owe you 50, but I denied the other 50. So now he's going to be obligated in another Shavua. So what does it help that Shemitah canceled the Shavua if the debt remains and he's a Modabamiktsas on the debt? So to that, the Ran answers that because Shemitah cancels the 50 that he admitted to, so post-Shemitah, he's no longer a Moda B'Miktsas, he's now a Kofer Hakol. Because after Shemitah, we have to reevaluate the whole situation. And at this point, it's only a dispute concerning the $50. So the lender is saying, you owe me $50. The borrower is denying the whole thing. So even though it's true, he is going to have to pay if he admits that he lied, but he won't have to make a Shvua because he's a Kofer Hakol. So that's the gain of this halacha that the shvua gets canceled because after Shemitah it won't be recreated because it's going to be a different situation. It's not a motive of it's a kofer hakol. And that kofer hakol is at the beginning of the situation. It's not transforming. So the Ran, according to Rab Chaim, also agrees with the Minchas Chinuch that one cannot transform from a motive of into a kofer hakol simply by paying up the half that they admitted to. The Ran too agrees that that transformation can happen. And it doesn't happen here. The Ran's creative idea is not that there's a transformation, but he's addressing a different issue, which is even if the Torah cancels the Shvua, but it's just going to start up all over again after Shemitah. And the answer is at that point, he's already a Kofar Hakol to begin with. So that's Rab Chaim's interpretation of the Ran. But then he points out that there's still a problem because the halacha is that if Kadma Hoda'a Litvia, if the borrower admitted that he owes money before the claim against him, so then he doesn't have to make a Shvua. So in this case, that's technically what happened because post Shemitah, he had already admitted before Shemitah that he owes the money. So when the lender claims that he owes money, it's a claim following an admission. So anyways, there shouldn't be an obligation of the Shvua. Why does the Ran need to say that it's a Kofar Hakol when there's another disqualification here? That it was Kadma Hoda Litvia, the admission came before Shemitah. Whereas the new claim came after Shemitah, so therefore anyways he's not obligated in a Shvua, even if it's a Moda B'Miktsas. So Rab Chaim says a very nice conceptual answer, which is that Shemitah cancels the debts. 
but it does not cancel the claims. Meaning the borrower has no financial obligations towards the lender after Shemitah. But the lender still has all of his financial claims against the borrower. So this is not a case where the admission came before the claim because the claim which existed from before Shemitah is still relevant. It never got canceled by Shemitah. Only the financial obligation aspect got canceled. But the claim against the borrower remains from pre-Shemitah. So his admission followed the claim. So if it was a mode of a mikzas, he would be obligated in a shvua. And that's why the Ran has to say that this is a case of kofer hakol. So that explains why the borrower is not obligated in a new shvua. Because even though he admitted after a claim against him, but his admission is a kofer hakol claim. Now, even though originally he was a mode of a and now Reb Chaim saying he turned into a kofer hakol, that makes sense. Because that has to do with the financial obligation, which was canceled during Shemitah. So the Ran wants to move this discussion from the realm of complaints, which don't change during the Shemitah year, to the realm of obligations, which do get canceled during Shemitah year. And that explains why even though we don't consider the original pre-Shemitah claim to have been canceled, but we still consider this to be a new situation and the borrower is considered a kofer hakol, not a modeb emiktsas, because in terms of financial obligations, the 50 he admitted to is totally removed from here and we're only looking at the 50, which he totally denied. So that's Rab Chaim's very beautiful explanation of the Ran in the parentheses to answer the Minchaschinoch's question. So we're left with two later Rishonim who adopt the Rambam's view and these halachas, the Sefer Atrumos and the Ran, and they both together come up with a nice approach to it, which is the vow is canceled, but the debt is not. And even though the debt is not canceled, it does not recreate another vow later on after the Shemitah year. So this would all explain the Rambam's position. Now, in the third paragraph, Rab Chaim goes back to the Ravid because he obviously does not agree with this approach. And Rab Chaim wants to understand which part of this equation does the Ravid disagree with. So Rab Chaim explains that the view of the Ravid is that Shemitah only cancels financial obligations. It has nothing to do with other forms of obligation. And that's why the Ravid is opposed to this whole concept of the Rambam and the Sefer Atrumos that Shemitah can cancel a vow without canceling the underlying debt. Because the Ravid believes that that's not in line with the strict view that Shemitah only cancels financial obligations. It has nothing to do with vows. And Rab Chaim points out that this is very solid logic because suppose someone owed a vow that had nothing to do with a financial situation. So it's clear that Shemitah would have no impact on that vow whatsoever. The law of Shemitah is not that it cancels vows. It's only that it cancels debts. And vows which result from debts are included under the category of debts. But there can't be a separate category the way the Rambam's creating it that vows get canceled independent of the debts. And even more than that, Rab Chaim argues, there are even financial obligations which Shemitah does not cancel. Like if someone damaged someone's property or if someone owes a storekeeper money. So those are not debts and they don't get canceled by Shemitah. 
unless someone turned them into a debt before Shemitah, in which case it could get canceled. But we see from that halacha that Shemitah is not even so broad as to include all financial obligations. There are financial things which are not canceled by Shemitah. Only debts are canceled by Shemitah. So if so, the Ravid insists that it's impossible to say that a vow gets canceled independent of the underlying debt. The only way that the Mishnah could say a vow gets canceled by Shemitah is if it says that the debt got canceled along with it, and that's the Ravid's case where the person didn't swear falsely, so both the debt and the Shvuah are canceled. As opposed to if he did swear falsely, so the debt is not canceled. But in the Rambam's case, where the person hasn't sworn falsely yet, so they are going to have to pay the debt after Shemitah, the Ravid says there's no way that the vow could be canceled while the debt still remains. So the Ravid's argument with the whole approach of the Rambam is because he is a literalist that when it says Shemitah only cancels financial obligations and not even all financial obligations, only debts, it means debts and only debts. Nothing else gets canceled by Shemitah. And to include vows as a separate category, which can be canceled independent of the debt, would violate that principle. Now, the Ravid too agrees with the two halachas of the Rambam, that if someone denies a debt, they still have to pay it after Shemitah, and that Shemitah cancels vows. So according to the Ravid, these two things contradict, because if they have to pay the debt, then the vow can't be canceled. So the Ravid differentiates between a case where someone made the vow before Shemitah as opposed to where they didn't make a vow. And the way the Ravid makes sense of this whole situation is that if they didn't make a vow before Shemitah, then the halacha is we would cancel the debt as well as the vow. But if they made a vow before Shemitah, then they would have to pay back the debt after Shemitah. So that's the Ravid's way of making sense of these two contradictory halachas by positing that there's a distinction between if they made a vow before Shemitah or not. But the Rambam does not hold of that distinction because he makes no mention of such a distinction. So the Rambam just records these two halachas in a straightforward way that in all cases where someone denies owing money, the debt is not canceled, but the vow is canceled. And of course, the question is, like the Ravid asks, how can a vow be canceled independent of the debt being canceled when Shemitah only cancels debts? It does not cancel vows. So in order to explain the Rambam in paragraph four, Rab Chaim introduces that there are two components to the mitzvah of not collecting debts after Shemitah. There's the mitzvah's assay, the positive commandment of Shamot Kolbal Masha Yado, that the lender should free their bar. Borrowers. And then there's the lav, the negatively phrased commandment of loigos, that the lender is prohibited from collecting from their borrowers. So Rab Chaim wants to know if the whole halacha of Shemitah only applies to the debt, meaning if it's not a debt, it's not included in either of these components, or is it possible to say that even though a non-debt is not included in the mitzvah say, but it is included in the lav, meaning loyigos is a broader category and it includes even non-debt-related issues. So that would mean even if something is not a classical debt, 
So it's not included in the mitzvah of Shemitah and it doesn't get canceled by Shemitah, but it still might be prohibited for the lender to pursue it because of lo yigos. So derived clearly holds like the broader, more expansive view of this, that all the mitzvahs of Shemitah only apply to debts. Anything which is not a debt is not included in Naseh or the Lav. As opposed to the Rambam where Abhaim suggests that he holds that even though something which is not a debt is clearly not included in the mitzvah of Shemitah, but it is included in Lo Yigos. So a case of that would be the Shvua which comes from the debt. Even though it can't be canceled on its own as part of the mitzvah of Shemitah, but it is one of the ways that the lender pursues the borrower. It's one of his ways of collecting his money. So when the Torah said lo yigos, it canceled that shvua. So that would explain how the Rambam makes sense of this case, because even though it's true that the mitzvahs of Shemitah only apply in limited cases of debts, they don't apply outside of a debt cancellation, but that's the assay of Shemitah. Whereas the lav of Shemitah is more expansively formulated to include any way that the lender pursues his claim against the borrower, which includes the shvua too. So that's why the shvua gets canceled as part of the lav of Shemitah. And Rab Chaim adds the cherry on top of this that this approach will also explain a problematic wording of the Rambam. Because the Rambam invokes the Pasuk of Lo Yigos to explain the Halacha that the vow gets cancelled. Now the problem is that the Gemara in Shavuos and Afmem Test has another source, a different Pasuk for this Halacha, which is Zed Dvar HaShemitah, which means this is the topic of Shemitah, but literally the word Dvar means words, Dibur. So it's a reference to Shemitah cancelling words, meaning the vow. So the Gemara has a different Pasuk which serves as the source for the Halacha that Shemitah cancels vows. Why does the Rambam change to the Pasuk of Lo Yigos when he quotes the Halacha? So Rab Chaim uses a method which he invokes quite a few times in the Sefer that he believes often the Rambam will adjust or change something from the formulation of the Gemara in order to answer a lingering question. So the Rambam's formulation sometimes complements the way the Gemara formulated it and both ideas are necessary in order to fully explain the Halacha. So the Rambam is acting almost like he's adding on to the Gemara rather than just simply interpreting it. So in this case too, Rab Chaim says that there's a lingering question with the Gemara's passage because the Gemara is only deriving that the vow gets canceled. But there's still the Ravid's question, how could a vow get canceled independent of the debt when Shemitah only cancels debts? So the Rambam answered that implicit question by invoking Lo Yigos. In other words, he's explaining the theory behind the Gemara's ruling that Lo Yigos is a broader criteria than the mitzvah of Shemitah. So even though it's true that the mitzvah of Shemitah is limited to debts, but Lo Yigos is more expansive and can include the vows which the lender uses to collect from the borrower. So the Rambam is not displacing the Gemara's source. He 
accepts the Gemara's source for this ruling from Zedvar Shmita, but he's invoking Loigos to preempt and to explain the question which eventually the Ravid would ask on him. But Rab Chaim says that this approach still needs some refinement because it's not correct to say that Shmita cancels any ability for the lender to pursue the borrower. In other words, it's not true that any claim the lender ever has against the borrower is canceled by Shmita. And the proof is the other case of the Rambam that creates all the difficulties when the borrower denied that he owed the money. And the Rambam ruled that the lender could still collect the money after Shemitah. So that's a clear case where the lender could collect money after Shemitah. And we don't say that Loigos is so broad that it cancels out any ability for the lender to collect after Shemitah. So Reb Chaim's approach is not enough to explain all the nuances of these cases because the original case which created the complexity that if someone denies a loan, they still have to pay after Shemitah still is creating problems because Reb Chaim's suggesting that the formulation of the lav as loigos has a broader reach than only debt collection. But this case is clearly not included in loigos. So we still have to differentiate between why someone who denies a loan, the lender could collect the money after Shemitah versus the vow, which he can't collect after Shemitah. So Rab Chaim explains that the vow is a unique situation because in general, it's true that we don't say Loigos includes any collection that the lender cannot make any attempts to collect his money after Shemitah. That's too expansive because that would also include the case where the borrower denied. And since in that case the lender could collect the money, that means Loigos is not a total ban. And the reason is because Shemitah only cancels the borrower's obligations towards the lender. It does not cancel the lender's claims against the borrower. So if that's the case, there's no reason to say that the lender can't collect his money afterwards. All Shemitah does is remove the financial obligation that the borrower has to repay. But a vow is different than normal forms of collection because it is an obligation of the borrowers. In other words, normally a collection is something that the lender does, but the vow is something that the borrower owes to the lender. So that's why it's similar to the actual debt itself and it does get canceled by Loigos. But it's the only form of a collection which gets canceled by Shemitah, whereas normal collections, which the lender does to the borrower, do not get canceled because they come from the lender and nothing he does gets canceled by Shemitah. So this explains why the vow gets canceled by Shemitah. And Rab Chaim formulates it very sharply that there's two aspects to this. One is that since the Shvua is part of the borrower's obligations, so it's included in the Pasuk of Loigos and it gets canceled by Shemitah. And second, the borrower has no obligation to make a vow. It's just that if he doesn't make the vow, then he has to pay the money. So the vow is totally connected with the repayment. That's why the Ravid says that if the debt falls off, then the vow also falls off automatically. Now, even though the Rambam doesn't agree with that formulation, because the Rambam holds that we could distinguish and the vow gets canceled, even though the debt doesn't get canceled, but the Rambam holds of the Ravid's idea enough to say that we see from here that the vow is part of the collection process, So therefore, it's included in Loigos. 
as opposed to other forms of collection, which are not included in loyigos because they're not so directly connected with the repayment of the money the way the shvua is. So that distinguishes why loyigos cancels the shvua, even though it doesn't blanket cancel any way of collecting the money. So now, given all this background, in the last paragraph, Rab Chaim returns to the comment of the Ravid that he began with. And now he can explain which point the Ravid is disagreeing with the Rambam on. So he makes the point that the Gemara in Gitin and Ches lists cases of ones, a rape, or a fine, or a ksuba, cases which are not regular debts. So ordinarily, Shemitah would not cancel them. But the Gemara says if Zokfan Bemilve, if he transformed it into a debt, then Shemitah will cancel it. So the Gemara asks, what does it mean, Zokfan Bemilve? When does that happen? Mishas Hamada Bedin, when they go to court. Meaning once they go to the court and the court rules that he owes the money, so from that point on, it's considered a debt because he's going to have to pay the money. So Rab Chaim asks, according to that Gemara, then the Rambam is very difficult because the Rambam is talking about a case where he owes him a vow. So obviously they went to court. One cannot become obligated in a vow unless there was already a court case. And yet the Rambam rules that only the debts are canceled, not other disputes like guards or partners, even though they already went to court. So according to the Gemara, that's called Zakfan Bemilva. Once they went to court and the court obligated him to make a vow, that should be considered like a debt, like a loan. So it should be canceled by Shemitah. So the answer, says Rab Chaim, is that the Rambam distinguishes between two points in the court case. The first is when they obligate him to make a vow, and the second is when they actually obligate him to pay the money. And the Rambam holds that the obligation doesn't get transformed into a loan until they actually obligate him to pay. But so long as they only obligated him to make a vow, they didn't obligate him to pay, so then it's not considered a loan. Now, building on this, Rab Chaim makes a second point, which is the whole source that it needs to be a loan and it can't be other types of obligations is from the Pasuk of Mashe Yado, someone who owes him money. Other than that, Shemitah doesn't cancel it. And that Pasuk is the same source for the exception that if the borrower denies that he owes money, it doesn't get canceled because again, he's not included in the category of Mashe Yado, people who owe money because he's denying it. So that's why he's not included in the cancellation of Shemitah. So those two halachas are both derived from the way the Torah describes the case of Shemitah, that it cancels someone who owes someone else money. So according to the Rambam, this is all going to hang together very nicely because in the same way that someone who denies a claim, that debt is not canceled by Shemitah, the parallel is that judges who only obligate him in a shvua not to pay the money, that also does not get canceled in Shemitah. Neither of those cases fulfills the criteria of someone who owes someone else money. But the Ravid, as Rab Chaim's been explaining throughout, disagrees with the basic criteria of the Rambam because he holds that someone who denies a claim, it does get canceled by Shemitah, both the debt and the Shvua. So the Ravid disagrees with the basic category of the Rambam and he holds that in such a case, it is included in someone who owes money, Mashe Yado, even though he's denied the claim. 
So the parallel of that would be that if the judges obligate the person to make a shvua, that should also become a milve with regards to Shemitah and it should be canceled during the Shemitah year, even though the person hasn't been obligated to pay the money yet. Same as when they're denying the claim, once the judges say that they have to make a shvua, that's sufficient to be included in the category of Mashe Yodo, and Shemitah should cancel that, even if originally it was a partnership or a fine or something other than a debt. Because once the judges say that he has to make a shvua, it's similar enough to the case of a debt that Shemitah will cancel it. So basically, Rab Chaim has very ingeniously extended the debate between the Rambam and the Raiva that he's been analyzing over whether someone who denies a claim, Shemitah cancels that debt or not. And he's now extended that also to a related case of whether someone who goes to court and the judges obligate him to make a vow, whether that's considered Zokfobamilva, that it transforms into a debt and Shemitah will then cancel it. And now for his final step, Rab Chaim brilliantly brings this all together and he says that that's precisely the debate going on in Halacha Vav with the Ravid's comment on the Rambam. The Rambam rules that in a case which began as a partnership and then they went to court and the judges obligated a shvua that Shemitah does not cancel that debt. Because the Rambam holds that it's not a milve yet. It didn't become a loan. It's still considered a partnership dispute. But the Ravid disagrees with the Rambam because Lishi Tosso, the Ravid holds that such a case now became a milve. As we said, according to the Ravid, even when someone denies a claim, that is a loan which Shemitah cancels. And the equivalent of that is that as soon as the judges say he owes a vow, it becomes a debt which Shemitah will cancel. So the case of the partner or the guard, which the Rambam said, since it didn't begin as a loan, it doesn't get canceled by Shemitah. But the Ravid says, no, this case, once they went to court and it was obligated a Shavua, it became a milve. It's now considered halachically a loan with regards to Shemitah canceling it. That's exactly what he wants to point out by making a comment on the Rambam. And the Rambam's response to that is also Lishitaso. Because the Rambam holds that someone who denies a claim, it does not get canceled in Shemitah. So the equivalent would be that the judges who obligated a Shvua, it does not become a loan and it's not canceled by Shemitah until they actually obligate the person to pay. And that's when it becomes a loan, which would get canceled by Shemitah. And in this case, it's not even going to cancel the Shvua, even though in the case of the loan, the Rambam holds that Shemitah can cancel the Shvua, even if it doesn't cancel the debt. But in this case, because it's not even considered a loan, so it can't even cancel the Shvua. As Rab Chaim explained before, Shemitah can only cancel a Shvua, which is directly connected with a loan. But if it's not a Shvua that emerges from the loan itself, so then Shemitah doesn't just cancel things which are unrelated to loans. So in this case, because the Rambam views it as still being a partnership or an issue of a guard, so Shemitah doesn't cancel anything, not even the Shvua. So that explains the very subtle debate between the Rambam and the Raivid, which Rab Chaim is uncovering, that in a financial dispute having nothing to do with a loan, which went to court before Shemitah, and the judges obligated the person to make a Shvua, but not to pay yet. So the Rambam holds that Shemitah will not cancel the Shvua in that case, 
because it's not considered a loan, whereas the Raibit disagrees and holds that it's been transformed into a loan and Shemitah will cancel it. So that's Rab Chaim's piece, a very brilliant analysis of the debate between the Rambam and the Raibit as to whether Shemitah cancels loans, which the borrower denies. And based on that analysis, Rab Chaim creates another debate between the Rambam and the Raivid over a case where someone was obligated a shvua in court, but they were not obligated to pay. Does Shemitah cancel that shvua? The key conceptual points that Rab Chaim develops in this piece is the distinction between the assay of Shemitah versus the lav of loyigos, that one should not collect their debt after Shemitah. And Rab Chaim believes that the lav is more expansive and it also includes shvuas. But the formulation of that is a debate between the Rambam and the Raivid. The Raivid believes that it includes the shvua because it also cancels the debt. It cannot cancel the shvua alone, but since the debt is canceled, then the shvua automatically falls off. Whereas the Rambam formulates it that Shemitah can cancel a shvua independent of the debt, because the shvua is more connected to the collection of the debt, and it's more intrinsic to the obligations of the borrower than other forms of collection. So it is included in loyigos, even though other forms of collection are not. And Rab Chaim also formulates this distinction that there's a difference between the Rambam and the Raivid as to what the definition of Mashe Yado, a collector, is. According to the Rambam, it means someone who could actively collect their debt because they're not being obstructed by the borrower's denial or the court saying that the other person has to make a vow. Whereas according to the Raivid, those cases would be considered Mashe Yado. They do fit the Torah's criteria of someone who's collecting money because there is a debt which is owed to him. And finally, Rab Chaim stresses the theme that the only thing Shemitah cancels are debts or obligations the borrower has towards the lender. But it does not cancel the lender's ability to collect or his claims which he made against the borrower.